Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Good afternoon and welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, where as always, we're working hard to improve our financial IQ. And one of the things that people are becoming aware of is more and more people are becoming aware of, so much so that there's a few podcasters calling it a trend, is passive investing. And it's growing to the tune of tens of billions of dollars a year. And people are pulling their money out of speculative things like the stock market, metals, crypto, and putting it into actual investments like apartment complexes, senior living complexes, self-storage, and so on. Why are they doing it? Because the rate of return is about three times that of speculating in the stock market. But the the key to it and why it's happening is education. More and more people are out there talking about this on the radio, on TV, and more and more people are being made aware that they don't have to leave their IRAs and 401s in stocks, in mutual funds, that you can use your IRA and 401k to invest passively in apartment complexes, self-storage, and so on. So, again, though, I hope you get the point. It's education that's causing this incredible growth in the passive investing space. Education is everything. You know, um, when I go back to when I was working at the health club back when I was 27, it was my ignorance that made me feel so hopeless. You know, I'm working 60, 70 hours a week. I'm losing my wife. Um, I feel like crap. I'm tired all the time. You know, it's just a, it's a rough lifestyle, to say the least. And I felt hopeless. But do you know that every bit of that hopelessness was my own ignorance because I remember sitting there with my head in my hands after I got my pay cut and just going man I don't know anything else to do I only know one way to make money get a job but it had proven after five years of 60 70 hours a week that doesn't work it doesn't build wealth doesn't build a second stream of income, doesn't do anything that I had the goal of doing. But again, it was based off of my lack of financial education. It was based off of my ignorance of money and the rules of gold, rules of money. So education is everything. You need to be out there reading. If you feel hopeless, if you feel like, oh, I'm just not getting it, uh, I'm never going to get ahead. Um, you feel negative. That's just based off of lack of education. And the only thing that will solve it 
is education. And there are, you know, people like, well, what do I read? I can send you a reading list if you want. Just email me, steve at totalwealthacademy.com, steve at totalwealthacademy.com, and I'll email you the member reading list. I'll even send you one of the books for free in PDF PDF format that you can start reading immediately. But read, attend seminars, go to workshops, um, educate yourself, because our formal educational system, high school and college, does nothing to teach people how to build wealth. It teaches people how to get a job. And that's it. I remember the day I quit college. I went to my advisor, Lieutenant Purdy, U.S. Navy. I was in the Marines. And I said, hey, Lieutenant Purdy, I'm taking all this stuff I don't need, you know, Chem 101, English, all this stuff. Where are the classes on getting rich? And he looked at me and he goes, there are no classes on getting rich. I quit college that instant. I thought that's why you went to college. Why are you paying all this money just to get a job? Jobs are free. Oh, I can get a little more pay? Jobs don't make you wealthy. I want to be rich. So I had to quit school. <laughs> and then I goofed up for a few years till I finally figured it out. But I would have never figured it out if they hadn't cut my pay and woke me up. I would have probably, man, talk about grateful. If I ever see that guy, I'm going to give him a hug. The guy that cut my pay, I'm going to give him a hug. He changed my life for the better that's why I joke sometimes I hope you get fired tomorrow I hope you get downsized I hope you get a pay cut tomorrow you say that's mean Steve no it's not it's the best thing that can ever happen to you because it will wake you up and everybody gets fired everybody you know I hear people all the time, they go, I'll, literally, they'll be at a job, they have a job, and they go, I'm retired. What? Yeah, I did 25 years at Exxon and, you know, retired. But, but you're working. You're not retired. People need to understand how delusional that is. If you worked for 25 years for Exxon and retired and you had to get another job, you didn't retire. You quit. You were fired. You were downsized. You were kicked out. <laughs> Retirement means you don't work anymore. And, you know, and I preach about this all the time. The 5% of Americans who do retire successfully all have second streams of income. Almost all of them. And 70% of them used real estate to build that second stream of income. So, 
What we're going to do today, when we come back from the break, I'm going to bring on a guest. Um, I want to hope I'm saying her name right. Suja Shyam, who is an accomplished multifamily underwriter. If you're not familiar with the term underwriting, it's very compared. You could compare it to deal analysis. Underwriting, she looks at the numbers, makes sure it cash flows, makes sure it's got room for appreciation and forced appreciation and so on. Um, she's extremely good at that. But what she wants to discuss is how passive investing can get you compound interest. Compound interest, which of course, I think it was Einstein said that's the most powerful thing in the galaxy or the universe. Okay, we'll talk more after the break here on the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Thanks for listening. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, where, again, we're always working to improve our financial IQ. And I'm bringing somebody on the line who really can help you improve your financial IQ. Remember, I used the term underwriting, which, you know, is loosely termed deal evaluation, you know, but underwriting is the in-depth analysis. Um... She is, let me get this uh, bio here. She's a proud and excited to be serving her community through multifamily investment opportunities and financial education. She lives in Portland, Oregon, loves running, biking, swimming, and exploring the epic Oregon landscape. Her name is Suja Shyam, and let's welcome her to the show. Suja, thank you so much for calling in. I truly appreciate it. Hey, Steve. Great to be here. Thank you. Now, did I get your last name correct? Shyam? Oh, that's so nice of you to ask. It's actually Sham. It's just pronounced Sham. Okay. I, got I know it it's, now. Spelled, it's spelled funny, so I, get, I understand the, the confusion. Well, I've got your, let me see, Lux Capital. At Lux Capital, this is your, you're the managing principal, so this is your company? That's correct. And... Are you basically a capital raiser? Is that what you're doing? Um, yeah, I create funds, and people invest into those funds, and then we, as a fund, are an LP into different deals. That is awesome. I did not understand that when we talked before. That puts a whole new understanding for me of what I can ask you on sure. today's radio show, so that's really cool. Um what you're in multiple spaces, though. I know your little bio said uh, uh, apartments, but you do self storage, senior living, other things as well, correct? Yeah, that's correct. I'm um, interested in investing in recession resilient asset classes, 
And I deem those to include self-storage, multifamily, mobile home parks, industrial, um, yes, senior living potentially. I haven't done one of those deals yet. I'm also doing a short-term rental deal, which I do believe is a recession-resilient play as well, which you know we can get into if, if we want. Yeah, it, let's let let's do that. Um, you talked about multifamily apartments being almost recession-proof. Um, tell me a little bit about why you feel like you know this short-term rental is recession-proof. Sure, and um, just uh, I always use the term recession resilient, Steve, yeah, as yeah. Um, proof is a little bit too um, absolute, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I I actually own short-term rentals myself, and I self-manage them. So I have a small portfolio of about seven units, which I built up just one unit at a time. It's my first and best cash-flowing business, and it completely replaces, more than replaces my corporate income from when I was an underwriter at large equity um, investors. And um, so I know the industry well. I've been doing short-term rental operations for the last six or seven years. So I actually have been through, I would say, a difficult time in the space, which was when COVID hit. When COVID hit, you know, obviously there was a dramatic drop-off and then people started to book Airbnbs again. I mean, really, people were booking Airbnbs even on March 15, 2020, but they were just booking them at a, a lower rate. And so that's kind of what I've seen with the um, short-term rental industry is that there's not a cliff. Even during COVID, like at the height of COVID, it wasn't a cliff. It was just a decrease in your average daily rate, rental rate. Um, so I... And then I was able to observe the short-term rental space over the two years, you know, not that we're completely out of the woods yet, but um, obviously things have have changed since then. And I've been able to observe that the best operators, the ones that really have their operations dialed in and are really providing the best um, units to guests, they actually continue to do very well, um, so well, in fact, that... Um, it's actually pretty un- unbelievable. And so we're kind of continuously monitoring the data to make sure that we are on top of industry trends. But what I can say for sure is that um, if you are a top-notch operator, and it's not that hard to be a top-notch operator because there are a lot of mom and pops that run short-term rentals. So that's one of the things we like about the short-term rental space is it's non-consolidated. It's kind of an infant industry. It has a long way to go before it becomes consolidated because there's almost no institutional capital in it yet. So it means that most of our competition is mom and pops. And so it means that if we're professional operators and we have professional design and um, run it more like a business, then we're going to be able to insulate ourselves from any sort of swings in demand. And um, we've actually continued to increase our um, average, our revenue, our profitability over the last year or two. That's really cool. We had a lot of people here, and I think that you hit the nail on the head. They were mom and pop unprofessional, and they just got, you know, for lack of a better word, slaughtered during uh, covid and then a couple of my friends who are like you, they are professional, they do have it dialed in. They saw a decline, but they were still able to maintain their properties, still get good cash flow, not as much as they got before, and of course not as much as they're getting now. 
because it's almost, are you seeing a spike now? Because it seems like people were so fed up with being cooped up that they're traveling a lot now. Yeah, I do think that, so it's always important to look at markets, right? And every market is going to behave differently. Urban markets are going to behave differently than vacation markets, et cetera. So, but I would, what I would say is that overall, yes, there are more and more people who are using short-term rentals every day. So we are um, becoming more and more popular than hotels month over month, year over year. And the question is, is are people cooped up? Do they have a lot of extra savings? Is that spike going to continue or is it going to level off or is it going to drop? Are people going to go back to hotels? And there's a little bit of speculation there. What we've seen, the way we view it is that we view the uh, a fundamental shift in the way people are traveling. People want to have more space. They want to have a kitchen where they can cook and gather with their friends and family. Um, the, they, if they can get those things and still get the things that they get in a hotel, which is convenience, cleanliness, and flexibility, then they're going to opt to stay in Airbnbs more and more, especially because they're typically more affordable, even even some of the nicer Airbnbs, if you have a large group, for example, it's still going to be less expensive to stay in an Airbnb than it is to stay in a hotel. Plus, you have those gathering spaces, and you can really have an immersive experience um, at the Airbnb. Yeah, my family uses really nothing but Airbnb when we travel. So I, I can't imagine going back to hotels. Um, yeah, that's interesting that people And then that why is that happen. for you, Steve? I think... The, the two things you mentioned, the space, the ability to have that kitchen and living room environment where you can truly have a family experience, um, that's almost impossible if you're staying at a hotel. You can go to a restaurant and sort of have a family experience, but it's not the same as cooking, um, laughing, playing your own music, uh, watching the game, whatever the circumstance is. There's just massive benefit to me to it yeah makes a lot of sense <laughs> okay let's talk about apartments now they're yeah they're uh recession resistant what's your opinion yeah. on that so multifamily is one of those classes which is really a lot easier to understand than short-term rentals and that's because everyone can understand that everyone needs a place to live and most people are going to pay their rent before they pay almost anything else and so people always need a place to live. That's one of the reasons why multifamily is such a strong asset class. The other reason is that we're severely underbuilt when it comes to multifamily um, and housing in general. You know, after the Great Recession in 2008, that was actually a time when our country, the U.S., overall was overbuilt. And also we had a lot of other problems in the financial space and the, with subprime mortgages, et cetera. So, um, so, but on top of that, we were overbuilt. So the Great Recession um, affected the construction industry a lot, and a lot of companies never came back, and we never started building at the rate that we needed to in order to keep up with the demand that we have for housing in this country. And so basically there's this com a constrained supply of multifamily units, of single-family units, and that's another reason why multifamily is a great place to be for investors because there's this unmet um, there's this, demand, this high demand for uh, multifamily and for places to live 
and we're, we're really nowhere close to catching up to where we need to be in order to create the amount of housing stock that we need for this country going forward. So that's one of the reasons why it's re- recession resilient. Yeah, the I, I experienced this. Well, we got to go to break. When we come back, I'll tell you what I experienced in 2007, 8, 9, 10 with my apartments. It's a little bit different reason, but when you combine the two reasons, you can see why it's so resilient. This is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Thanks for listening. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, along with my special guest, Suja Sham, who is managing principal at Lux Capital. You can find her online at Lux, L-U-X-E dash cap dot com, Lux dash cap dot com. And it's worth a visit to the website because there's a lot of information here. She's got a fact pay, uh, frequently asked question page, um, it, uh, how it works page, and so on. So check it out. Um, Suja, what I experienced in my apartment complexes, which rents went up, you know, in 8, 9, 10, 11, and the reason was due to the recession, of course, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, the recession or the disaster in single-family homes. Um, as people were losing their homes, they had to have a place to live. They were coming to our apartment complexes in droves. And that also hit the self-storage space. Our self-storage facilities' rents went up because they now had, you know, a 1,000 square feet to live in coming out of a 2,000-square-foot home. Where's that furniture go? It goes in storage. So we saw rents increase in both spaces as a result. So that was my experience for why it just seems to be so resilient. Um, the, when people are losing their homes, when there is a catastrophe in the single-family market, they're going to live somewhere, and it's going to be apartments as a rule. I'm going to open the phone lines now. If you've got a question for Suja or myself about anything we're discussing, uh, give us a call, 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSEV, or if you want to remain anonymous, just fire me an email. Just put anonymous in the subject line. It's steve at totalwealthacademy.com, steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Well, the thing I'm excited to hear your opinion on is your description of how you can use passive investing to create compound interest. Uh, go ahead with that subject, if you would, Suja. Yeah, absolutely. So 
As you mentioned, Albert Einstein is rumored to say that the eighth wonder of the world is compounding interest. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. And uh, real estate syndications and investing in real estate is really such a powerful way to take advantage of it. And that's because we tend to get uh, quite high returns as um, as it would go. And also, we're, when you invest in real estate syndications, you're ideally investing in a syndication that you have a fair amount of confidence in. So you have more control over it in that you're selecting the operator, you're selecting the property, you're selecting the market that this deal is in. And so it's not a big black box as to what's happening with my investment. It's actually really quite straightforward. You can actually go and see, okay, what's the occupancy? How does the property look? Is it performing? Um, how is the property management staff viewing what's going on with operations? And so what I like about um, you know, how this relates to compound interest is that multifamily syndications, I believe, are much more predictable than many other asset classes that you may invest in, you know, particularly the markets. And so with real estate syndications, we're looking at producing, you know, a 15 to a 17 IRR usually. Um, you know, sometimes that can shift depending on the market. But let's just say it's a 15 IRR. If you can compound um, 15% your investment year over year and you're also continuously investing, then you can create really a tremendous amount of wealth. So, I mean, let's just take $50,000. If you're able to invest $50,000 every single year for 15 years. Um, by the end of five years, and let's just, we're assuming that it grows at 15%, and I'm taking out 25% as a tax rate on the gains, which, you know, that's just an assumption. But after five years, you'd have $327,000, which is pretty good. But after 10 years, you'd have $913,000, so almost triple. And then by the end of 15 years, you would have $2.1 million. And um, let's just take year 19. After year 19, you'd have $3.8 million. And so that's if you're investing $50,000 a year every single year and into real estate syndications and then reinvesting the proceeds as you go forward. So you can literally take $50,000 a year and turn it into almost $4 million in less than 20 years. And that's and, called, you know, that's because there's this exponential growth that's happening um, that's taking advantage of the compounding interest. Yeah, that's a phenomenal number, too, because most people have worked for 20 years, and I think the average 45-year-old has something like 120000 to show for it. And then the sad thing is the average 65-year-old in America, they have $170,000. So you're talking about $4 million. If somebody started in their 20s, say 25, by the time they're 45, they've got $4 million. And you're not even talking about the cash flow. You're really just talking about the appreciation, aren't you? Um, well, no, this is actually cash flow and appreciation combined. Oh, that's right. Um, you said internal. 15, yeah, we're kind of assuming a 15 IRR. So it is combining cash flow. I mean, I could make another model that sort of splits that out, but every deal is different in terms of cash flow and appreciation. Sure. We had one of our members. He was fired from, I believe it was Exxon, after 25 years. 
and he had about $130,000. He put 100000 in, and 10 years later he had $1.7 and about 120 a year in cash flow. So I know what you're saying is true because I've seen it happen, and multiple, multiple times. Um, in your investments, when you bought your seven, I love your story. That is the dream of every member of Total Wealth <laughs> yeah. Academy, is mm -hmm. having enough income from their real estate that it's more than they made when they were working. Was that your goal and desire when you started doing that, or did you just start doing it to make a few extra dollars? What was your motivation? When I started short-term rentals, I did, I did, was on the path to entrepreneurship and never having a job again. Okay. I had already decided I wanted to pursue entrepreneurship. I wanted to be in control of my own schedule. And, you know, I actually didn't set out to be a short-term rental operator. I set out to do, you know, I tried to do everything else under the sun pretty much for my entrepreneurship. But I kind of accidentally became a short-term rental operator. And it just so happened that it was continue. it provided continuous cash flow. And it wasn't a lot of work. And I actually was able to do it as a side hustle. And so over time, my side hustle... Um, my side hustle of entrepreneurship became my main hustle, and um, I'm really lucky that I stumbled upon it. <laughs> I'm gonna, Suja, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big fan of the term luck. Um, I know, I know, I know. Well, it was so I agree that. So I was interested. I, I mean, I would like to put a caveat on that. So I was interested in real estate for many, many years. Okay, and that is one of the reasons why you know, that was one of the things I ended up trying is because I had real estate and I had extra space. And so, you know, I don't want to not give myself the credit. I do think that luck is at the intersection of preparation and opportunity. And so, and also fortune favors the bold, right? So, right. Um, you know, being lucky isn't necessarily just purely a matter of getting lucky. It's also a matter of setting yourself up for that. Yeah, I love, you are well-read, I love hearing you talk and throwing in those little tidbits. Uh, you know the uh, what did you, what's the one about the bold? Say it again. Fortune favors. Fortune the bold. favors the bold. Love to hear that. I know that one. I don't have it memorized. I don't use it much, but the way you used it was very well done. Um, well, the, the other one. Thank you, Steve. The other one is that this one's a little bit more complicated. Luck is at the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that I've gotten what people would call luck because I spent, you know, 30 grand on every set of books and tapes and back then they were on tapes. This was 20 well, good lord, 33 years ago. Um I bought every set of books and tapes off late night TV I could get on real estate investing and then all of a sudden deals were everywhere. And what one of my mentors said was, Steve, the deals were there before you read the books. It's just you couldn't see them. And that woke me up to the value of just constant, constant education. Keep reading, keep attending seminars, keep visiting websites, keep listening to radio shows. And sooner or later, something's going to click. And people will look at you and say, oh, you're lucky. <laughs> no, I listen to those radio, you know, for 150 hours. I studied these books for hundreds of hours. I read 100 books on real estate or whatever the circumstance is. Uh, yeah, that that's where luck comes from, for, for sure. 
So how did you learn to be an underwriter? Where did, where did you, are you a college grad in that field, or how did you learn it? So when I graduated business school, I had decided I wanted to work in real estate, and I actually had flipped a house at that point, but I, I wanted to just have kind of a, a regular job because I hadn't had a steady paycheck in a long time, and I kind of craved that. So what I ended up doing was taking a job as um, an acquisitions analyst, which led to me becoming an underwriter. And so basically I just got a job as an underwriter in that field um, it, for an institution which syndicated funds for institutional investors. So we would we would basically have large investors like Wells Fargo, other banks and pension fund companies and life insurance companies would put in a million to five million dollars into our funds, and then we would invest those. That um, you know we would have hundred to two hundred million dollar funds that I would underwrite properties um, that were in those funds. That is phenomenal. That changed you mentally. And let's talk about that when we come back from the break. we got to go to break. This is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Steve Davis. We'll talk more after the break. Thanks for listening. It's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And this is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that's going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars in the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, along with my special guest, Sudra Sham. And we're she's only got a few more minutes because she's got another podcast coming up right after this. She's very, very busy. So I really appreciate you coming on the show and taking the time to do this. Um, in the last couple of minutes, I, I'm just curious, how old were you when you did that first flip? I was, uh, let's see, about 26 years old. Oh, about 26. So how long, when did you graduate? Well, I was, I was in business school at the time. So I graduated from business school and I was 26. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, that's still. So I had done my undergraduate degree and then, you know, I'd done, it, done some other things. And then when I, when I was in business school, you know, which funny enough, um, business school. I mean, I, I, I'm very grateful to my business school, a lot of smart people there and wonderful people as well. Um, but for me personally, I realized that it didn't teach me how to be an entrepreneur unless no. I wanted to be in the venture world. Um, my, yeah, my business school is very much in the venture world, but as far as bootstrap entrepreneurship, that was not taught. And, you know, I just, I had to learn that on my own. Yeah, that I actually quit college. Uh, I was telling people before you came on that the day I quit college was the day I asked my advisor. I said, you know, I'm taking all these Chem 101, all this stuff I don't care about. Where are the classes on getting rich? And the guy looked at me and he goes, there are no classes on getting rich. I actually quit school that day. And, um, That's amazing. It was just infuriating to me because I had this misconception about college. I was like, you're going to spend, back then it was 40 grand, you know, to graduate. Now it's 80 or more. 
And I go, why am I spending forty grand to learn how to get a job? Jobs are free. <laughs> the last I checked, and it just drove me nuts. And here my parents were struggling uh, to pay for my college, and I was struggling, and I was just like, no, that's the end of it for me. So as you became an entrepreneur or with the goal of being an entrepreneur, what's your favorite book or it could even be a seminar you took? What pushed you over the edge? What's your favorite book or seminar? Yeah, you know, honestly, I think that the very first thing that I did was the most formative for me, and that was Unlimited Power. I listened to an audio cassette tape of it because that's just, you know, I didn't have a lot of money at the time, and I found it at my parents' house. Was it the 30-day set where it was like 30 tapes? Yeah, I think it was 30 days, yeah. Yep, that's what got me started. Hilarious. And I just loved listening to it on a cassette tape. I would do it first thing in the morning. I'd wake up early and and do it and then go to yoga or something. And um, I just remember feeling like it was just formative. And then I ended up following that up with going to, you know, Unleash the Power Within. And I mean, there's a lot of really great coaches out there. But that for me, just it was the thing that kind of really was formative and helping me um, just build keep building towards being an entrepreneur. Of course, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So right. you got to make sure you can keep going. And I think that is the most important thing is to just keep going every single day, do something to move the needle, um, to try to push the ball forward as far as your entrepreneurship. And, and that's something that I actually, you know, I think in retrospect, I actually didn't do, right? It's because after I did the flip, which is a major win, doing that with no money. I had no savings. I, I used my student loans, which we, we didn't get into that. But basically, I was one of those people who started in real estate with no money. Like, I literally used creative financing. In this case, I just used my student loans to buy a house. Anyways, a major win. But then I started work at the underwriting place. You know, I was an underwriter working at a bank, basically. And um, I didn't pursue entrepreneurship during that time. I didn't either have the mindset that I needed. Like I wasn't reading books, you know, I wasn't listening to podcasts like I do now on mindset and business. Um, And so I was just kind of learning the underwriting trade, which, you know, was good, but I missed a couple years. And I always told myself like, okay, I want to pursue entrepreneurship, but it was always kind of on the back burner and and never really, you know, the back burner wasn't even on. It was just like in a pot sitting, (laughs) sitting back there. Yeah. I didn't even put any ingredients in, right? Like I just, it was just kind of this idea that I wanted to pursue and it was, it was a real idea, but I wasn't taking action towards it. And so I lost some momentum and that's okay, you know, um, because, because at some point I got the fire in my belly and to just keep going with it and, and really put the pedal to the metal just every single day. It's being a, a, something that's driving me forward. So that's not to say I don't take breaks. I do, but um, you know, you, you want to be careful of getting too comfortable. And I was comfortable working at the bank, right? Like I was comfortable yeah. getting a paycheck every two weeks. I was comfortable being able to increase my salary and, um, you know, have more disposable income. But it wasn't actually helping me have the life that I, I really wanted. And even on your website, you can tell you try to lead a balanced life with uh, your I believe you said swimming too. Um, you're hiking, you're outdoors. Uh, 
how do you maintain a balanced life? Did you read any books that kind of clued you into that, or did you discover that on your own? Well, I think that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to become an entrepreneur was because, Steve, I... I had actually, you know, we didn't get into this, but I'd actually taken 18 months off because at one point one of the banks that I was working for went through a merger and it failed and I was laid off because I didn't want to move to the East Coast. I I lived in, I live in the West Coast. And so I decided to take the layoff package and instead of just getting another job, my friends convinced me to go travel. And um, I traveled for 18 months internationally. And that was the time in my life when I really started to realize that I was just like everything kind of just unwound and I just let myself do whatever I wanted and follow my whims and and not be beholden to any any schedule. And that's what really drove me is I was like, you know what, this is great. I don't want to be driving, driven by anything that anyone else is telling me to do. I want to be in control. I want to be in the driver's seat of my life. And Part of that was being able to explore and adventure and have free time. So I think I, because I had that 18-month period where I really just played and didn't do a lot of work, um, it's been a value of mine, right? You know, and I, I build that into my schedule every year. I go off the grid for, I don't know, at least three to four weeks, maybe not at one time, but maybe three weeks here, one week there, and go on weekend trips all the time. I mean, it's, and, and just, I, I do a lot of, a lot of play. All right. I know you got a podcast, so I'm going to let you go. But I, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your experiences. Um, th- this show was phenomenal to me. I-, I learned quite a bit. So thank you very much, Suja. Thank you, Steve. Have a great day. And thank you, all listeners. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Man, <laughs> you've got to go to her website and see her picture. Um, phenomenal individual. And just look around the website. It's uh, let me pull it back up. Sorry, it's Lux Dash Cap for Lux Capital. Lux is spelled L U X E, L U X E Dash Cap dot com. Um, it's inspirational. It's inspirational. So, in closing for today's show. There, I did an investor tip Tuesday. I don't know if you watch these or not, but if you're on YouTube and you go to our channel, we do an investor tip Tuesday, a misconception Monday, and a um, we're going through a glossary too of definitions. They're little short videos. None of them are more than four minutes, I believe. Um, and it was on believing in yourself. How many of you understood? that part of Suja's power is she believes in herself. Do you get that? My recommendation to every one of you is you absorb that and believe in yourself as well. There is none of you listening to this radio show right now that can't do what Suja has done. All right, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Take care. 
You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.